Welcome to the Championship Vision Podcast. The Championship Vision Podcast is about coaches impacting coaches. We believe that coach mentoring is an essential part of coaches getting better at their craft in our profession. We bring in the best high school basketball coaches in the country to share their vision on what it takes to run a successful basketball program. So stay tuned for another edition of the Championship Vision Podcast with your host, Coach Kevin Furtado, the head girls basketball coach at Walnut Grove High School in Loganville, Georgia. Coaches, the Championship Vision Podcast is so proudly welcoming the Legends at the Grove Basketball Coaches Clinic on September 12th, 2021. This clinic is one of the best you're going to find. It's a super clinic of 10 of the best high school basketball coaches in the state of Georgia. It will run from 8 o'clock to 6 o'clock p.m. Let's talk about the great coaches that are going to be present and speaking and sharing their wisdom at the clinic. Gene Durden, eight-time Georgia High School Girls State Championship coach from Buford High School. Kobe Durden, his son, his assistant girls basketball coach at Buford High School. Jarrett Hunsinger. 2021 Missouri 4A Girls State Championship coach, Pete Acock, legendary Georgia high school basketball coach, Hilda Hankerson, 2021 Geico Girls National High School Coach of the Year from Westlake High School in Atlanta, Jesse McMillan, the 2011-2013 Georgia High School Boys State Championship coach from Norcross High School, Kathy Ritchie Walton, the 2008, 2009, 2010, 2012, and 2013 Georgia 4A State Championship Girls Basketball Coach. Alan Whitehart, the 2021 Georgia Boys State Championship Coach and participant at the Geico National Tournament out of Milton High School. Dr. Hal Wilson, Associate Professor of Coaching Education at Georgia Southern University. Sharman White, eight times Georgia High School Boys State Championship coach, also the U16 USA basketball coach. He coaches at Pace Academy in Atlanta, Georgia. Coaches, you can buy single session um, passes for this, or you can buy both uh, session passes. So if you are interested in coming to the clinic, please email me, Kevin Furtado at FurtadoK57 at gmail.com. That's F-U-R-T-A-D-O-K-57 at gmail.com. Or you can contact me at 478-461-4403. I will send you the easy registration link for you and your coaching staff. I have a special deal for your coaching staff. Um, You can bring as many coaches as you want for $175. You get 10 of the best coaches in Georgia for such a great price. So, hey, we love to have you. I'll be promoting this on social media. Uh, Please contact me for the Legends at the Grove Basketball Coaches Clinic coming up September 12, 2021. Sounds good. All right, coaches, welcome to the Championship Vision Podcast. Uh, Drew, this is episode 247. So, uh, awesome. 
you're part of a, the uh, Championship Vision podcast family. We're so excited to have an up-and-coming great college coach who's really building a great program at Freed Hardeman University in Henderson, Tennessee. I love, I love Tennessee. I love that area, by the way, uh, being close to it here in Georgia. Uh, but let's welcome uh, Coach Drew Stutz to our podcast. Coach, welcome welcome to our podcast. Thank you. I appreciate it. I appreciate you guys reaching out and having me and excited about the next 30, 45 minutes. Absolutely. No doubt. We got to make sure we're getting ready to watch the Bucks. Uh, hey, um, hey, our topic today, I really want to talk about, I really want to break into, I've really studied your program. You have some great shooters in your program. I know that doesn't happen by luck, but you talk about pace and shooting in your program. Uh, but before we get into that topic, tell a little bit about yourself on how you kind of grew up. I know you grew up in Alabama, how you kind of grew up and uh, desired to be uh, a basketball coach. Yeah, I uh, started at an early age. Uh, my dad is actually a minister, but kind of part-time helped out with uh, some girls' basketball programs. So fell into the fell in love with the game at an early age. Um, you know, it's just one of those things that's a natural fit. You know, I hopped out there as a young boy and started playing uh, with varsity girls basketball team. I was probably second or third grade and, uh, you know, fell in love with the game early. The school, the high school we were at had a huge following, just saw the excitement around the game. And, uh, you know, from an early age, just very passionate about it and knew probably as early as fifth or sixth grade that long term wanted to be a basketball coach. And, uh, you know, have pursued that dream ever since. Yeah, what, um, tell us about your high school coaching career. I know you started as an assistant, I think, right, Drew? Uh, tell us about how you got started there. Did you always know that you wanted to become a coach? Yeah, I did. Um, you know, really, to be honest with you, I started, um, even when I was in high school, we had some youth programs. Uh, so when I was a junior and senior in high school, we had youth programs set up. And, um, you know, we, it was fifth or sixth grade boys and you would coach them during the year. It was on a Saturday. So that was really fun. Uh, even, you know, being in high school to, to, um, you know, go in and be able to coach a team and practice once a week. And then, um, you know, after playing college basketball for a few years, I actually started, uh, as a seventh grade boys basketball coach. So I was coaching the seventh grade boys team and eighth grade boys team. Um, and then I was also a varsity assistant. So I would coach, you know, my guys, my group of 30 guys of seventh and eighth graders and then turn around and right after my practice, being assistant with the varsity team, uh, had a chance to be an assistant under a really good head coach. His name is Mike Mitchell. He actually uh, coached at Greater Atlanta Christian for a yeah. while, won, um, I don't know, three or four state championships there. And I think he won nine state championships overall, some of those being in Alabama, some of those being in Georgia. But um you know, just a great teacher of the game, fundamental guy, and uh, was an assistant there with him, did junior high boys basketball for four years. And, you know, one thing led to another, you know, had a head coaching experience, had an assistant college experience. And then, uh, like you and I were talking before we hopped on, just extremely blessed to be where I'm at. Freed Harmon's a great university. And just the opportunity to be young and to be getting this experience as a head coach is, you know, it's a blessing and something I thank God for. What do you recommend to coaches who desire to be at the next level that are young high school coaches? Because you, I mean, your transition was quick. I mean, yeah. so what were some of the keys? What, what did you learn to get to that next level so quickly? Yeah, um, well, I mean, like I said, I, 
you know, I hate to say this first, but I mean, I think God has a plan. His plan was for me to be where I'm at. But I also think God gives you some skills and ability to, you know, apply what he's given you. So my advice is funny you ask that question. I, 10 minutes before I was on this podcast, I was talking to another head coach um, down in Florida. And we were talking about uh, coaches understanding what it takes to break into this business, especially when you're a high school coach, um, you know, or whatever your background may be. Um, you know, number one, I think you have to be great wherever you're at at whatever level you're coaching. Uh, that sounds really simple, but I remember Sherry Cole um, listening to a podcast or something that she had done. And she talked about being great where your feet are. And, you know, whether you're coaching seventh grade boys or it's your first head coaching college opportunity, uh, you got to make the big time right where you're at. I think so many times coaches today are looking for that next opportunity that they forget. Um, you know, they forget that what they're doing currently is going to prepare them for the, those opportunities. Um, but, you know, networking is a big part of this business. But in my opinion and in my uh, experience, I think just doing the best job you can do where you're at um, and, and, you know, making it the big time is a, is a simple way of putting it, whether that's a small high school job or a, a major high school job. So uh, that, that'd be some of my advice. Hey, Pete uh, and, and Drew, this is uh, Coach Pete Aycock, longtime college high school coach, uh, really out here in the South. He's very well known, great mentor of mine. Hey, Pete, what's your question for Drew? Well, let me ask you, can you see me? I can see you, a little blurry, but I can see screen? you. Yes, sir. Okay. All right, good, good, good. Glad to be here with you. And uh, I used to have a couple of kids went to the University of Tennessee and I know all about that. Do you remember uh, uh, who's the Myers guy that used to coach in Tennessee for so long? Don Meyer. David Don Lipscomb. Meyer. <laughs> Don Meyer. Yes, sir. Don Meyer was somebody I was kind of raised on uh, a lot of his stuff. And, yes, sir. Uh, his system of play. And um, I talked to him a few times on the phone. And uh, they were always appreciated. There's a lot of good coaching over there where you are. Absolutely. Before uh, before Lipscomb um, made the jump to NCAA, we uh, they were in the same conference as us. So Freed and Lipscomb used to be a really big rivalry, and of course they made the Division One jump. We're we're in AI now, but we actually played them right. last year in a game. So uh, pretty pretty big rivalry back in the day between Lipscomb and Freed. Well, what I wanted to ask you um, is a couple of things here. Um, what how did you develop your defensive philosophy? Kind of who did you get it from? And uh, maybe the major three or four or five points that you emphasize every day in practice. I'm sure being successful like you are, you better play great defense. I mean, you just, you may swap out with games or whatever. When it comes down to championship time, like look at Baylor, they won the national championship. Why? Because those three little old pit bulldogs they had out there just punched out the other team. I mean, it's just that simple. It and is. guess what? The guy that's playing for the Suns now, the point guard, that's one of my favorite point guards ever. <laughs> you notice the last two games, they've sort of punched him out, hadn't they? Yeah. Uh -huh. Controlling that point guard. But anyway, just tell us about how you developed your defensive philosophy. Well, uh, that's a that's a great question. Um, what what's kind of crazy about that question? I've 
I've done some other podcasts and people have asked me that in the past. And when I first took this job, just completed my second year. So when I first took this job, um, you know, what I did that summer was just spend a lot of time uh, studying the college game in general. Um, in high school, I had been nothing but up tempo, uh, full court man to man pressure, some run and jump principles. But um, you, you may know Bucky McMillan at Sanford now, they used to be at Mountain Brook. Um, you know, was really impressed with their teams there. He had a lot of success in high school. And so when I made that transition from high school to college, um, I knew the game was different. I mean, there were some things that were obviously going to be the same, but when you start implementing shot clock and then ability and, and separate things, I knew there would be some changes I would need to make. So um, me and my assistant, Jake Mitchell, that summer really just sat down and tried to start studying, um, you know, different successful defenses at the college level. A um, couple that stood out were Michigan and Texas Tech. Um, Chris Beard at the time, you know, I don't know if it was the year before he went to the Final Four or uh, the year after, but they had had a lot of success defensively. Um, and funny enough, I had a, a first cousin who works over there in their graphic design department, got me hooked up with Mark Adams, who's their assistant coach, now their head coach. And so he and I exchanged some emails back and forth, and I just picked his brain a little. And, um, you know, maybe telling you too much here, but I do think fit is extremely important uh, to the coach's personality, also to the school that you're at. You know, we're a private Christian school. There's particular kids that we get here. Um, and so trying to mesh all those things together, we kind of settled on what Chris Beard does at Texas Tech. Um, you know, again, just studying the game, listening to different coaches, you know, they switch everything. They switch everything at Texas Tech. So um, one through five, doesn't matter the scenario, doesn't matter the screen. They switch everything. They keep everything out of the middle third of the floor. They really heat the ball up on the wings, um, and they establish the help. And in my opinion, uh, whatever defense you're going to run, and I, you know, I've still got a lot to learn, whatever defense you're going to run, the more you do something, the better you get at it. And Jim Sanderson, uh, really good NAI coach, who I was an assistant for for a year, he really talked. This was a funny uh, example he would give. But he would talk about slicing up a piece of pie. He said, "The more times you slice that pie, the smaller and the smaller and the smaller those pieces become. And now you're working on 50 things instead of 10 things." And so, you know, my goal here defensively is uh, for us to look the same every time. It doesn't matter who we're playing. Our principles are going to remain the same, and we're going to be great at what we do. Uh, it's It has taken me a little time, and we're still in that transition of being sure that what we're doing defensively fits our personnel, um, which obviously if you're going to be switching a lot, you know, you got to take into account some things. But, um, you know, as far as things that we do every day, um, you know, we play a lot of small-sided games, a lot of one-on-one, a lot of two-on-two, a lot of three-on-three. Um, you know, different drills that we'll set up that are specific to, um, you know, our defensive principles as far as keeping the ball on the outer thirds of the floor, being able to really heat the ball up on the wing um, without getting driven, you know, straight line, baseline, but not giving up any middle, just really figuring out angles out there and not opening yourself up too much, um, you know, but just different there, – there's no secret, you know, there's no secret to what, what we're trying to do. It's just uh, – find something and really sticking with it. Um, 
Rob Eason, who was at UAB, who's now at Stanford, called and talked to him last summer, um, you know, just about he had been a young head coach and I was a young head coach and just, you know, maybe some advice that he might give. And one of the things that he really spoke to was offensively and defensively finding something and sticking with it. He had felt like um, some of the changes he had made during his time at UAB, you know, if he could go back, that was one of the things that maybe he had learned. And so that really stuck with me, you know, even when things aren't going exactly like we need them to go defensively or offensively, uh, stay in the course, not panicking, trying to switch things, but really doubling down and, you know, just getting better at what you're doing. Yeah, I love that. Uh, hey, Drew, the great Gary Williams, uh, former Maryland coach and so forth. I, I remember, uh, I, you know, I, I have a lot of, videotapes over the years that I've studied and so forth. But he said one thing, he says, do what you really know as a coach. And that's a fine line because I think there's a lot of coaches that try to do other systems, but he always taught the flex offense and I ran his offense for many years. But is that true at the college level? Do you try to, I look like you are trying to grab different points of view, <laughs> but I mean, I mean, what, you feel like that was something that you guys really believe in and you guys really know? Uh, well, if I'm being honest, I don't, I don't know that we really knew. Uh, um, that's just me being honest. Like, um, you know, that, that was a brand, this is my first time being a, I mean, I'd only had one year of college coaching experience before I got this job. And so, um, you know, I didn't have a whole lot to go on, but, you know, there's no sense in trying to reinvent the wheel, you know, look at what's successful at the college level, see what you think fits your personality. Um, and, you know, start trying to implement those things. And then as you start teaching things, you're going to, you're going to, you know, naturally make some adjustments to, to things that you'll see and maybe change a little differently than whoever it is that you've been studying. Absolutely. And, and Pete mentioned a good point about physical play. I know when Drew, Drew Holiday is matching up with, um, uh, with uh, the guard, point guard from the Suns and so forth. And I know that he's being bumping them, being very physical and so forth. Same thing Pete mentioned about Baylor. Is that something that, you know, just getting in the weight room, or is that more of a mentality on play? everybody? Everybody wants to play physical. So do you guys want to play physical or are you guys more of a contained type defense? Uh, you know, I, I think it just depends on your personnel individually. Um, you know, being NAI. Um, you know, I'm sure we'll get into some of that later. You know, we, we're not Baylor. Uh, right. We're not Maryland. We can't go out there and handpick guys that fit exactly what it is that, that we do every time. So I think sometimes small college coaches, you got to be able to adjust to personnel. Um, so, I mean, I think guys, they can be aggressive. Obviously, we want those guys to be aggressive. I think guys have got to learn uh, what their abilities are and then apply them within the you know, the framework of what we're trying to do defensively. So I would love to be a, a, a team that disrupts and pressures and has that ability. Uh, we're probably not one of the more athletic teams in our league. Uh, like you mentioned before, shooting is a big part of what we do. And, you know, guys that – guys are the guys that you're talking about who have a lot of athleticism, who have some of that dog. Uh, and if they have some size and length and they can shoot, they're probably not dropping to our level, and we try to recruit mostly four- and five-year guys. So all those, again, similar to what we said earlier, a lot of those pieces have to fit. But I, I think every coach wants to be aggressive if they can be. Absolutely. And I, I want you to go right into the transition from defense to offense because they, they have to connect, right, because they have to 
be compatible with each other. Um, you're about pace and shooting. I really want to really want to study and learn from you on how you guys create the pace and how you develop such great shooters, particularly three point shooters. The way you create good shooters is uh, recruit good shooters. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I mean, it, sure. if I had a if I had a cheat code for how to how to make a lot of shots, you know, I might be making a whole lot more money than making right now. You know, I think you you gotta you gotta get guys that can shoot the ball. Now, I mean, obviously there's repetition and, you know, you carve out a lot of time in practice to try to not just shots, but shots that are specific to, you know, the shots you're going to get in game uh, based on, you know, whether you're a point guard or a wing or stretch or whatever. Um, but I may have gotten off track. Shooting is extremely important. The way we get, you know, the way we shoot the ball is, you know, because of personnel and recruiting guys that can shoot. Um, but, you know, we do spend a lot of time, our guys, we've got, we got three guns here in our main gym. Uh, they have, they're required to come in and get up a certain amount of makes, uh, you know, in a week. So they'll pair up with a partner. They'll come in and they'll get up a certain kind of shot. They'll make probably typically 500 threes a week. And so, I mean, even, even your good shooters can always get better. Even your average shooters, you know, you're trying to bump those guys up. But as far as, far as creating the pace, that was the other thing you asked about, um, you know, I love guys that have versatility. Um, I love guys that can grab it off the glass and push it themselves. Uh, we're not outlining the ball to the point guard every time. You know, I've two years ago, my first year here, we had a, a really good player who wound up being freshman of the year, um, six, seven kid from Russia who, I mean, was one of our best passers. He could grab it off the glass and he's pushing the break. Um, so a lot of that, I think just, you know, you just build those things into your practice as far as your style um, that you're trying to play at and the pace in which you're trying to play at. All that has to fit into into your practice schedule and, you know, what you encourage your guys to do. But love guys with versatility. You know, in a perfect world, I'd have five guys on the floor that could be point guards uh, that could grab it and, and push. And I just think when you start putting three and four guys on the floor that can shoot the ball, you know, well, but especially at an elite level, you get really tough to guard. Um, so those are some things we look for, some versatility and ability to shoot. Absolutely. Talk about analytics of your system. Um, are you looking for, I know with my program at the girls level, I coach girls high school level, we're trying to get 75 plus shots per game attempts. That's the end. We're trying to get 25 plus threes. Um, if we're doing that, that means we're playing at our pace. How do you yeah. define your pace? Um, you know, I mean, there's analytics behind what we do. I don't know that that's a particular stat that we chart. You know, early in the year, we really sit the guys down and talk about why we do what we do defensively, understanding, um, you know, what we're trying to create defensively, what shots we want our opponents taking versus what shots we want to take. Uh, I do think there are times you can dictate the pace, but I also think, um, you know, just coaching the game and guys understanding what a good shot is versus what's not a good shot. I think a lot of that's taught in practice. Uh, we do spend a good bit of time in practice uh, scrimmaging more so than a ton of drill work, uh, just because I think it's a great time to, to give guys a chance to learn and play and for you to coach. Um, Rick Bird, who was at Belmont, I heard him and Lenny Acuff one time uh, on a podcast talking. And, you know, he said, if there's one thing I could change, it would be, play more five on five. 
And, you know, especially from a coach who has had such success as he's had um, and is a great fundamental teacher of the game, to hear him say, I would play more five on five, that really stood out to me. Um, but no, I mean, we, we obviously talk about the numbers of the game and analytics and, uh, you know, trying to get points in the paint and threes and, you know, staying away from mid range as much as possible and things like that. But, um, you know, it's not something during the game where we'll look down at halftime and say, you know, we're not playing fast enough or, or this or that. It's, it's more of a feel and just understanding what your strengths and your weaknesses are. Absolutely. How do you define a good three point shot? Is it, I know we want to have open shots, but uh, I believe that the, and Pete does too as well, that a drive in the paint and a kick out three is the high percentage three. And for my analytics, the top of the key in the corners are higher than my wing shooters. I have no, re I don't know why, but through my own analytics, we love top of the key threes and corner threes. Um, just, you know, coaching at the girls level. So how do you measure yeah. that? Um, you know, as far as your original question there about what, how do we define a good three? Um, you know, like I said, we get up a ton of shots in the preseason. Um, we stat everything in practice so that we know, you know, what type of shooter you are outside of game setting. Um, and, you know, probably more importantly than location or some of those things, you know, something that's extremely important to me is I want our guys to play with full confidence. Um, they, they know if they're a green light shooter or a yellow light shooter or a red light shooter. Um, and most of the guys that we have are green light shooters. There's a couple yellows and, you know, a few reds as well, but, um, Don't mention you know, <laughs> I, I, I think some of what makes our team so dangerous is that we're, um, you know, we're a little bit reckless at times. Um, you know, we'll take some shots that are questionable. But at the same time, we have some guys that that shoot those shots well enough that um, they're justified in what they're doing. And I think defensively, uh, you have to adjust. I mean, there was a game this past year we hit uh, – these are back-to-back -back years we've broken three-point makes in a game. There was a game this year we hit 26 threes in uh, and shot over 50% from three that game. Nice. So, um, you know, I think confidence is extremely important. Um, you know, guys that can't shoot the three ball, you know, those are conversations that you have uh, based on based on numbers. And, you know, if they can't shoot the three, there's a great chance for us that they do something else really well. So, you know, everybody on your team, you know, as far as just defining guys roles, uh, everybody understands they have a strength and a weakness. Uh, but as far as just what defines a, a good three, again, I think a lot of that. And this is something I learned from Coach Mitchell. Uh, the coach was referring to at Greater Atlanta Christian. It's it's one of those things where you just have to teach the game. I don't know that it's something that you can you can so much define or or write down a sheet of paper. Here's exactly what we're looking for. Um, you know, we we just try to coach the game and teach the game in the right way and let guys figure figure those things out. But I will say one of the biggest things is you got to have guys that that play with confidence and you can't you can't react to a guy taking a bad shot at the time, at the wrong time. You know, there were some times this year that a couple of our guys probably took some shots that were questionable. And in the moment, that's not the time to make those corrections. I think, you know, you, you'd prefer those not happen at all, but when they do, in the moment, you want those guys to continue to be playing with confidence. That's something in film study the next day, we'll sit down with those guys and talk about time and score and, and situations, so. 
So confidence, tell me this, Drew. Now, let's say a kid goes 0 for 10 from the three-point line. How do you coach that as a coach? Because um, if you want confidence, you got to keep their confidence going even when they're having adversity, correct? For sure, for sure. No, I think a lot of that's just your relationship that you have with the player. You know, a lot of that's built before you get to that situation as far as them trusting you, your ability to really connect with them, to sit down and help them refocus. You speak a lot of life and belief into them. Uh, uh, you know, some of the most powerful words I think a coach can say is, I believe in you. And, you know, that's what they need to hear when they're 0 for 10. Um, and, you know, of course, typical coach talk as far as your ability to, to have an effect on the game outside of your 10 shots. You know, those things are things we talk about as well. But, um, you know, we this year we did have, uh, you know, two of our better shooters, both who shot around 40% from three. They kind of went through a, a cold spell where they weren't shooting the ball as well. And, you know, anytime they look over to me, especially a guy that's that level of a shooter, and that's that's a specialty for them, you know, we're, we want to encourage them to continue to let that thing fly. You know, obviously getting to the foul line and doing some things like that to find your rhythm. But, um, you know, we – I don't ever want a guy that I think is a great shooter that I know is a great shooter questioning his ability. I mean, and I refer to guys in the NBA. I mean, you see great shooters in the NBA who go through stretches where they, you know, they'll have four or five games where they're struggling. I mean, those guys are the best players in the world. So, I think just, you know, acknowledging it, you know, don't, don't ignore it and act like it's not happening, but acknowledge, hey, you know, we know you're struggling, but we know you're a great shooter. Next time you're open – knock it down. We got full confidence in you. You wouldn't be in the game otherwise. Um, but all that to me is built, you know, as far as your relationship with that player and them having trust in you and, you know, you having all those things established before you get in that moment. Yeah. And that comes to just building good relationships with your players, right? Connecting right. with them, which is, which is uh, it, that's undervalued sometimes as coaches on that. You can't just pull them out for every little mistake. Coach P asked through, I want to know more schematics of his fast break. Coach Pete is a numbered break guy. He, I mean, he's coming to my clinic coming up. He's going to talk about the numbered break. Uh, Pete, what question do you have about his transition offense? Well, um, I don't know. I, the numbered break has been around a long time. I don't know. You're too young to remember Sonny Allen from Old Dominion. He um, was amazing. I know about playing five on five while ago. Do you? Uh, I had a long conversation with him one time, and I'm a man-to-man -man guy, full court pressure, running jump, the whole thing. And I was talking to him. I said, well, Coach, how, how much time do y'all spend uh, on pressure defense? He looked at me and he says, we don't spend much time on defense at all. He says, we run our zone a little bit in practice, you know, practice that. But he said, he said, but, you know, the other night we were behind about 10 some against somebody, and uh, – we went man to man and we won the game. But he said, we scrimmage. He told me, he said, we scrimmage about, he said, 80, 80, 90% of the time. I said, I kind of coach on the run. And I, and I thought all this time I'm doing the Jerry Tarkanian thing, doing 80% defensive drills, you know, right, killing them. Right. And uh, here's Sonny Allen averaging 90, 95 points a game uh, right. with the number break. And, uh, but it's changed. I think everything kind of spins off it. But I love assigning lanes. And the reason I love assigning lanes, you may do the same thing. And I love that number break because I don't think people understand it. 
because they look says you can't assign lanes because everybody's going to know where your players are going to be. Well, that, that, to me, that doesn't matter. I'm going to have perfect floor balance when I get down the floor every single time. And my kid is going to never have to stop and think. I call it the great pause. You have pauses in game for sure. kids that, oh, no, you know, my kids are gone because they know where they're going. And I like to swing the guards. I like to swing the guards all the way through, all the way up to the, across the, the uh, foul line. And that gives you a, a, a space for when I hit that wing where he can just rip and go to the goal because everything is pulled up. Uh, the guy from Michigan State, can't think of his name. I've got all his stuff. But, uh, he says you need to bring your – yeah, Izzo. He talks about bringing your offense out. And that's what John Wooden did many, many years ago. He had a three right across the foul line and two guards. And that's always worked well for us. But the main main thing, you were talking about your shooting and all. If you're going to run, you cannot criticize your shooters. And once you start that, Jerry Tarkanian, he recruited the number one shooter in the nation one year, a 6'4 guard. As soon as he started playing for Tarkanian, his shooting percentage went down and down and down. Tarkanian called him in the office. He said, son, what has happened to you? He says, you're the best shooter in the nation. And he <laughs> says, now it looks like you can't shoot. The, hey, the kid looks just like this, gets close to him. He says, coach, I could always shoot, and I can still shoot, but I just can't shoot for you. And Tarkanian <laughs> said, I fell back in my chair. He said, I, didn't, I never had a kid say that to me. He says, yeah. what are you talking about? He said, coach, have you ever looked at your uh, assistant coaches on the bench every time I miss a shot? They're throwing their hands up in there and they got this scowl on their face and you got that towel over there and you're squinching your eyes and like, oh no, oh no. Yeah. And Tarkanian said he went straight and had a meeting with all of his coaches. He said, son, I'm going to promise you something. Nobody will ever have anything on their face but a smile when you shoot. I promise you. You shoot when you're open. You know what happened to shooting percentage? Right here. Just like that. That, if you're going to run, you've got to give kids that kind of confidence. It can't be any scowl on the face or anything that looks negative. You miss seven in a row, you're going to make seven in a row. Just that simple. That's right. But, um, but no, I love um, that system. I know y'all have a break, but you said you let your players bring it straight down, right? Yeah, I mean – there, yeah. there are some things that we teach, like specific to the break. I'm, I'm with you 100% about we're gone. Um, you know, again, because we have players that have so much versatility, you know, you, you you've got the middle third and you've got both the outer thirds. Um, we do some different drills as we're leading up, you know, with new players. Uh, you know, you're, you're taking the lane nearest you. You're, if you're at a two and you're on the left side, you're not running all the way to the right side of the floor. And there's times where you're going to have uneven breaks. Um, I don't know if you've studied. I'm sure you have some of the two-sided break stuff where you push the ball up on one side, yeah. defense starts loading to that side, and you're, you know, diagonal throwing the ball and one, two, the opposite side. So there's some of that, you know, we're recognizing when, um, you know, when we have an overload. Um, you know, in my opinion, I don't, I don't see as much value now as I probably have in the past with rim running. You know, we're not huge. We don't spend a bunch of time on rim running. Um, you know, occasionally if if we have a really athletic five, which we have a couple that run the floor well, uh, you know, we'll allow them to do that. Um, but, you know, we, we get to the, the nearest lane, basically. And so we want to fill both corners. 
if you're overloaded and, you know, we want somebody stopping at the 45 or their free throw line extended. And then, you know, whoever has the ball in their hands, there's some certain things that we look for. Uh, we, we run a lot of ball screen action. Um, and so I think first having a lot of shooters, second, having guys that are versatile. Um, and then third, quickly putting as, I mean, earlier to what we were talking about as far as deciding what we were going to do, you know, first question I ask myself is like, how do I put as much pressure on the defense as possible as quickly as possible? You know, a lot of times I feel like guys run a break and there's two or three or four passes and the defense kind of starts getting settled, but you're getting them moving. We want to put as much pressure on defense as fast as we possibly can. And if you got somebody with the ball in their hand that can win a one-on-one and you got two or three guys around them that are going to knock down threes, guys love to play that way. And unless you're willing to get four or five back in transition, we're going to be pretty tough to guard. Yeah, I love that. And Coach, hey, right now we're in the fourth quarter right now. So we're right at the wow. end. So I say it's fourth quarter right here, Coach. Um, I got you. I want you to finish off with one or two of your best drills. I steal drills from everybody. I'm, I'm going to steal this from you, okay? Give us, you know, what your program, what you, if you had – what are two drills that you could just do only? What would be those core drills? That's a great question. Not not something I'm prepared for. Um, you know, a lot of the stuff that we do is really basic. You know, it, it, it's not complicated. It's not, you know, I will share a few things with you, but I don't think it's going to be things that you haven't heard before. Um, you know, as far as defensively, we do a whole lot of, um, number well, as far as practice goes in general, we do a lot of things that are competitive. Every single drill that we do, if it's shooting, if it's defense, if it's ball, every single thing, someone wins and someone loses. And if you lose, there's an immediate basically consequence for you losing. We tally who wins every game, who loses every game. So those are some things in practice that's really important to us. Um, but, you know, I guess probably def defensively every single day we do a version of shell drill. It's not anything you haven't seen. But, you know, if I had to pick something we had to do every single day, you know, we, we'll do different scenarios, whether it be three on three or four on four. We'll give offense or defense, um, you know, certain parameters that they have to stay within um, just, to, just to make them play a certain way on that particular day. Uh, you know, maybe it's – offensive rebound to get an extra point or, you know, taking a charge, maybe it's worth two. So we really try to incentivize things with making things competitive and then putting an emphasis on things by them being more valuable in practice. So maybe a, a charge is worth two and a stop is normally just worth one. But we try to put those things into shell drill and, you know, focus on those particular things while we're playing. So we do shell every day. Uh, we'll do three on three or four on four. We'll do two on two. Um, and we'll have guys defensively, guys moving. I'm sure you guys have seen that before, but you're moving in a circle in the lane. And, you know, myself or an assistant's underneath the basket throwing the ball out. And you're having to communicate and, and find quickly. Um, you know, defensively, that would be what I would choose to do every day if I had to choose to do something. And, uh, you know, honestly, something we do a whole lot of kind of ties into the shooting. We do a whole lot of three-man, two-ball shooting. I'm sure you've seen that. But we'll put a particular time on the clock. Right, Drew. Uh, 
Um, they got to get a certain amount of makes and shots up in a certain amount of time. Um, if I'm remembering off the top of my head, I think we go for two and a half minutes. Each player has to get up 25, make, 25 shots, and then we encourage them to make 17 or 18 threes in that time. So to me, that's a, it's a great drill. You know, something we'll implement in that is you'll have to, every pass that you make, you have to pass with your weak hand. Um, you know, there's obviously a lot of communication as far as calling for the ball, saying someone's name, uh, but a lot of intensity in that because you've got to be busting your tail to get up 25 shots a piece in two and a half minutes. We're getting up a lot of shooting. You're working on weekend passing. You're working on re relocating, you know, catch and shoot shots. Um, but we probably, I mean, I was talking about getting up a lot of shots. If, if you do that four times in a practice, you know, if you do two and a half minutes, they got to get up 25 shots and we'll do it to break up practice. You're getting up a hundred threes in 10 minutes in practice and it's at a pace that's game like, and it's a great conditioning tool as well, because you're, it, you're never standing. It's constant movement. Um, so I, I really love that. I stole that from Jim Sanderson, who was at Faulkner. His dad was, you know, Wim Sanderson, that coach at Alabama. Um, you know, it's a it's a really simple drill, but it's a great drill and one that we do every day. I, pre I appreciate you digging into uh, your program and, so, and, and coach, because a lot of times it's not what you do. It's how you do it. Right. So Absolutely. you really believe in that. I have a lot of high school coaches that listen to the podcast and I want to know they're going to probably going to go, okay, where is this university? I want you to talk up okay. before you go, talk up your university. And if any coach, high school coach wanted to contact you about their players, how can they get a hold of you? Yeah, absolutely. No, we're, uh, we're located in Henderson, Tennessee. It's a small town uh, near Jackson, Tennessee. If you don't know where Jackson at, it's, it's a, uh, almost halfway between Nashville and Memphis. So if you just went up to Alabama, Mississippi border, uh, we're, we're about 60 minutes across the border there. Uh, but small town here, a uh, really tight-knit community. Uh, we're a private Christian college here with around 2,000 kids on campus. Uh, just great atmosphere. Um, this will be my third year total of being here, second year as head coach. And, uh, you know, it's a place that I plan on being at for a really long time. Um, you know, just – family atmosphere, uh, extremely comfortable, um, you know, raising a family here. As far as our program, you know, I, I'm really excited about the direction of our program and, you know, how it's been a, a really big change just in two years. Um, program in the past have been really strong and kind of went through a transition there where uh, we had some changes, but, uh, you know, we won, won 19 games, finished top three in the league my first year, and then this past year made the move to the Mid-South Conference. Uh, which is, in my opinion, the, the best conference in the nation in NAI. Um, you know, managed to finish in the top half of that conference as well. We had a, you know, third through sixth place was a one-game separation. And with COVID, this was a crazy year. Um, but it's a great league. I think the past two years, our conference champion has went on to win the national championship. And uh, so that's that's really exciting for me uh, to night in, night out, be challenged to know that you're playing some of the best teams in the country at our level. Um, but as far as contacting me, you know, all my contact information is is easily accessible at gofhulines.com. Pretty sure my cell is on there as well. And then you know, I'm active on all social media. But, um, you know, I. I've loved it here. This is a great place. Um, you know, I think we're about all the right things. I think we're about developing kids more so than just winning games. 
kind of one of the mottos of our program is we want to serve kids' hearts, not serve their talent. So we're we're more concerned with who they are. We're this is I like I still listen to Dabble Sweeney, but he talked about we're more loyal to the 30 or 40 year old version of our players than to the 18 to 20 to 22 year old. And that's one thing I'm really excited about being at free is now, this is not a spot that I'm going to be at for a year or two and then hop to the next job. This is a place where I want to build a culture and win championships and do it the right way. And I think right now the way that we're going about it is quite different, you know, maybe than from what other programs are doing as far as, um, you know, this recruiting class, we've signed five freshmen. And, you know, we're, we'll, we'll take some transfers from time to time, but, you know, really want to build it with four- and five-year players and really kind of stand apart. Um, with having guys that are here long term and doing things, I guess, you know, maybe an old school way rather than a new school way where you're just trying to win here and now and and just having a one year team. You know, we, we want to have a program. We want to have a culture. You know, I think probably one of my biggest jobs is, you know, representing our school in a great way. And so we're looking for high character kids. Uh, that's that's one of the first questions I ask when I talk to coaches is who is he? Um, not not so much what is his ability because that's got to fit first and then ability, you know, we'll get to some of that. So, um, yeah, would, would love for coaches to reach out. And, uh, you know, we've got an elite camp coming up in August, August 22nd. We've got an elite camp. It's a Sunday afternoon. We've already got quite a few kids signed up for it. But uh, I think we play a, a really high-level brand of basketball. I think sometimes that gets overlooked as far as NAI basketball. Uh, you know, we – I seen a tweet out recently that, that really blew up and I think that maybe how we connected, but you know, we, we offer full scholarships too. We got guys, you know, we got eight or, eight or 10 guys that are playing professional basketball too. So, uh, you know, total respect for division one, division two coaches. Uh, that's not a shot at them. It's just, you know, don't turn a blind eye to an NAI school uh, because you don't know a lot about them. Um, I promise you, you come to a game or you come to practice, you'll, you'll be impressed. Some of the best basketball in the country is at your level, Drew, and I've seen it. Um, hey, thank you for opening the door to you, your philosophy and your program, and to Freed Hardeman Universities. And a lot of people have no clue what, but now we do. We got gave yeah. us great insight into your program. Thank you so much for sharing yourself and sharing your university. So uh, welcome to the Championship Vision uh, family, Coach. Awesome. I appreciate it. And I appreciate you giving me the platform to share it. So thank you guys for reaching out. Really enjoyed our time. All right. Thanks, Coach. Hey, yes, sir. go Bucks or Suns? Uh, I'm go Bucks. I'm go Bucks. <laughs> I think they'll right. get it done. That's right. Coach, take care, man. Thank you so much. Yep. Yes, sir. I appreciate it. Thank you. Coaches, we are so excited to have Dr. Dish Shooting Machines, Dr. Dish Basketball, as our major gold sponsor of the Championship Vision podcast and the Ledges Clinic at The Grove coming up September 12, 2021. Dr. Dish Basketball is accelerating player performance with the most innovative game-like training solution available, allowing coaches and players to get better faster than ever before. By providing the most usable and advanced shooting machines on-demand workouts, multiplayer stat tracking, and instant analytics. Dr. Dish Basketball has become the preferred source for basketball training with progressive coaches and players. Listeners of the podcast are eligible for exclusive discounts. 
Mention Championship Vision Podcast to your sales rep when you call in. For more information, visit drdishbasketball.com or call 952-873-2633. And remember, the Championship Vision Podcast and Dr. Dish Basketball is supporting the Legends at the Grove Clinic September 24th, 2021 at Walnut Grove High School. Sign up now. Coaches, I'd like to welcome our new Championship Vision podcast sponsor, Huddle Assist. The best basketball coaches are relying on data more than ever. That's why coaches love Huddle Assist. With Assist, you get full game breakdowns, including complete team and player stats in less than 24 hours. Your stats are ready when you need them. And Assist is more than just the box score. Use interactive reports like shot charts and advanced stance like lineup data, VPS, and of course, effective field goal percentage to coach smarter. Plus, assist brings your stats to life. Every stat is marked on the video at the moment it happened. See every shot, turnover, rebound, and much more with just a few clicks. Want to see how Huddle Assist is elevating basketball? Visit huddle.com slash assist. That's huddle.com slash assist to learn more. Huddle will also be at the Legends at the Grove Clinic on September 12th at Walnut Grove High School in Loganville, Georgia. Come stop by our table to chat and see what we have to offer.